What does it mean Messiah matters? It means apart from him we can do nothing. It means he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeshua is the only way of salvation. He is everything. We have to have the Tanakh to know the Messiah. But we have to have the Messiah to know the Tanakh. Without Messiah, we have nothing. Basically, it's all about the Messiah. It's Wednesday, November 7, 2018. This is Messiah Matters number 241. Making mistakes in the show notes and not catching them. My name is Caleb Hegg. And with me, the man who hasn't even looked at his ETS or SBL schedule yet, Rob Van Hoff. What up, buddy? It's coming up next week. On the way. Pumped. For those who have no clue what we're talking about, next week, Rob and I fly out to Denver, Colorado for the Evangelical Theological Society. And directly after that, Society of Biblical Literature annual meetings. Boom. Pumped about it. And I think that uh, I already had sickness, so I don't. I, I, I don't want to. I don't. You know. Oh, you got sick for an advance. I got sick in advance. Uh, Doctor Chris Tilling just posted on Facebook that he's that he's throwing up. And I said, yeah. "Dude, get over it." Caleb, I'm getting an echo, man. Oh, check. Oh, it's gone now. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm pumped for it, man. ETS has a has a theme, which. Uh, which the SBL doesn't. The theme this year, the Holy Spirit. I'm very excited for this. Actually, one of the first lectures that I'm going to go see, Dr. Walter Kaiser, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Tanakh. <laughs> oh. It's on. It is on. Uh, well, welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone, in the chat room. It's good to see uh, everybody there. Looks like we have a good showing already. Um... Yeah, and I did something different today. I tr- turned on Super Chat. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's going to change things, but uh, it's there. It's there for people if they want it. Um, okay, and welcome everyone uh, on the TR Radio uh, and also on YouTube. And um, if you're listening to this later in a podcast form or something like that, okay. Um, I want to make sure that my audio levels are correct. It looks like they are. Let's get to it. We've had quite an interesting week. Um, well, before we get to it, what uh, t- talk real quick? We're we're going to be live streaming from the ETS and SBL, and we're going to try to do that. I don't know if we're going to do it every day, but we're going to try. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. And um, are those gonna, like going to be random times? It's like, hey, we've got a minute. Let's live stream, or is it schedule? Are you envisioning? I'm envision envision. We're using your phone to do that. Yeah, dude. exactly. Well, I bought, I got the, uh, I got the Samsung Galaxy S8 just so that we could take good pictures and videos and be able to post them. Um, so, I, it's not like I just had a bunch of money laying around and I went and bought a phone. I actually had to uh, uh, finance it, but my wife had shattered her phone, so we needed a new phone anyway. 
So I and I I talked about this on the show. I switched from a from an Apple to a to a Galaxy, and I've never been happier with the switch. I've never. I had it. I had an iPhone for uh, I don't know how many years. I think about eight or nine years, and uh, I don't I don't know how I did it. Now that I have this, I don't know how I did it. Anyway. Um, so we'll be live streaming. I think that I think that we'll probably try to do around the same time each night. Now I'll also be throwing in some randoms here or there. I know one thing I'm going to try to live stream for everyone. I'm going to walk through the entire book display, and I'm going to live stream the whole thing. Because wow. that that sounds that sound for the SBL that sounds not very interesting. But guess what? It's one of the it's it's like the greatest. You ride should do it at a time like when everybody's there, like five thirty at night. Yeah. So here's the thing that you know people what I mean? don't like you, where it's just like Saturday night. You I've know said I mean? like, I've said before that uh, that that ETS SBL is like the Disneyland for Bible nerds and for scholars. Right. It's like it's like one of the greatest things that you can have. Uh, one of the best times of the year. Well, the the the. <laughs> it's actually the new holiday. It's the holiday be- between. It, it's it's you know, fantastic. It's but, be, but before Thanksgiving. But the book display is like the greatest. It's like the space mountain, like Splash Mountain, of the Disney. You know what I mean? Like when I ask my kids, "Oh, we're going to Disneyland. What do you want to go to?" My son says the same thing every time: Splash Mountain and Pirates of the Caribbean. That's what it, those are the two rides he wants to go on. Well, this is like. The book display is like the Splash Mountain of SBL. It's so great. Everywhere you look, there's a there's a you know a world renowned scholar having a chat with somebody. New books, everything's fifty percent off. You have to bring like, and this is the smartest thing that the SBL did. They implemented free shipping. Yeah, most most of the most of the publishers. We used to have to bring an extra suitcase each just to be able to put our our books in and then oh, i know you, there's been times where your dad has a big cardboard box he ships it we, we load it with books and you go down to the post office and ship it home right uh, yeah. yeah i remember we did that in uh we did that in baltimore remember that we walked to that we walked to that through that yeah. market anyway um so i'll live stream that for sure at some point but I think probably at nighttime, um, we'll we'll try to, and I'm sure we'll get my dad and and uh, Gary Springer in on it, uh, on some of the live streaming. It'll be fantastic. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for those. It'll it'll be good. We will be missing next week, by the way. Um, so, but that's okay. That's okay. Right. Exactly. Okay, uh, before we get started, let's do this. Uh, if you want to be a part of this conversation, you can do so. 253 465 3205. It's 253 465 3205. Um, you can also email C Hag at Torahresource.com, C H E G G at Torahresource.com. And if you're in the chat room and you have something that we just have to see, um, okay. <laughs> We're using technology. We're here. using technology. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's get into it. So, um, I want to start with this. Uh, let's see what screen it's on. I want to start with this. This came in. This is from somebody who's usually in the chat room. I don't know if she's in the chat room right now. Um, usually in the chat room, and she uh, she watches a lot of our videos. She comments often. I believe it's a woman. I could be wrong about that. Um, so last week. We had talked about uh, 
the state of, of theology in the church, right? And we kind of went over the survey. Oh, from Ligonier, yeah, from Ligonier like, Ministries, right? Oh, that was crazy numbers, man. Yeah, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. So this is the comment on that. She says, uh, "What is wrong with house churches? Not sure how you can biblically defend your stance on that." Now, I'll read my reply because I, I did reply. I said, uh, "Not sure what you mean." I attend a house church. Our stance? Did we have a? Well, hang on. She, 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 oh, okay. She's going she's to elaborate. She says, uh, I, am not, uh, I said, I'm not against house, house churches, nor, do I ever, nor did I ever say that. She said, sorry if I misunderstood your response to the survey questions. The question was, is worship worshiping alone or with a few people acceptable? That's not what the question was. I'll give you the, the question in a few seconds. But she goes on. Uh, you guys scoffed at the question and called the people justifiers. I don't believe Christians should stay in false churches to say they are just going to church since we are the ecclesia. Okay, that's not what the question was, though. The, she says the question was, is worshiping alone or with a few people acceptable? Of course it's acceptable. Um, the question was, worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. Now, this is where I'm going to have to say, no, it's not. I think that we should worship with our families. I think that we should worship alone all the time, right? This is certainly true. But the point is, is that we are to be part of community, of believers. We're supposed to be part of the ecclesia. We're supposed to bear each other's burdens. You know, we're supposed to, uh, Hebrews 10 tells us not to neglect the assembly, the assembling together. The Shabbat is called a Micha Chodesh. That's a holy gathering. So are the, uh, the festivals. And so it is, it is my understanding that, you know, and I'm not saying that that has to be a huge group of people. It could be one other family. It could be another couple. Um, but I believe it's someone outside of your, of your immediate family. I think that people are supposed to gather with others. They're supposed to pray together. They're supposed to read the word together. And they're supposed to help bear each other's burdens, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, right? Th this is the command. And so... Uh, I think that those who say, oh, you know, and to be honest with you, I, I've done research a bit on on uh, digital churches, you know, people who um, who watch and, you know, Beit Hillel, the, the congregation my father is a is a leader at, uh, they, they live stream their service for people who are in remote areas. Now, I'm not saying that, that there aren't times when that, you know, that's a last resort, but it should not be a, a final solution. You know, I've, I've also known people who have done like uh, uh, prayer groups over Skype. And the biggest problem that I see with, with you know, online community is that it doesn't give the, op it, it's not real community. It might feel like it's simulating it, but it's not. And the reason why is because, for instance, when I'm at, you know, when I'm at small group, um, this happened last, last Shabbat. You know, I'm in the kitchen, I'm talking with two guys, right? And we're having a, a personal conversation with each other about something that one of the guys is going through. Now, at the same time, my wife is in with, the, you know, having a discussion with several ladies in the living room about something that I'm sure was probably uh, specific to, to someone. Now, that couldn't have happened if, I, if we were all online together. Why? Because anything that I said would have been said to everyone. It's like everybody has to. Everybody's talking to everybody else, right? No, yeah. and I, you know, I know the argument. 
even in uh, even in the uh, in the chat room. Uh, but some of us just don't have the option. I'm not saying that there aren't situations where uh, where people don't have an option. However, I think that those options should uh, we should always be looking to fix those options. Start a small group yourself. Find another family that agrees. Get together on Shabbat. Find a church that's theologically sound in, in as many ways as, as can be. My family's gone to church the past uh, two Sundays. We, uh, we, we know believers at a certain church. We, we enjoy the believers. Theologically, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty right on. Obviously, they don't, accept, you know, they don't accept the whole Torah. But are they believers in the Messiah? I would say yes. So therefore, are they part of the ecclesia? Yes. Therefore, should we have community with them? Well, this is iron sharpening iron, right? The point is, is that I, I'm sorry for the people who don't have a community, but if it's com- you know if it's commanded to gather, I mean I don't know what else to say. Do we accept the fact that the Lord commands us to gather together or not? I think it's commandment to gather. That's what a mikhah kodesh is. So I and I'm not obviously there's exceptions. People get sick, vacations happen, right? But ultimately, we are we are to be part of community. Um, so that's you know, and somebody in the chat room that that's a great co- comment. Church may be illegal soon. You know, I've known people in in Russia and the Ukraine who uh, who were persecuted for their beliefs back, you know, when I was a young boy. My family sponsored Russian families to come over who were being persecuted. Some of their stories are unbelievable. And uh, we, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, 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 it seems to me that we've lost the, uh, the notion that, that uh, community is not only important, but it's needed and commanded. What do you think, Rob? Good. Well, I think you nailed it down. Do you think that's controversial in this day and age? I think it is, especially well, in the especially in the Messianic and Hebrew roots movement. We're in an in, yeah, we're just in an interesting time in history where we've got the institutions of the brick and mortar buildings are one aspect of of social connection, but then there's the online connection, you know, which has been growing over the last ten plus years, really become more and more intense, and so people have that sense of connectivity and, and communication that they couldn't have a generation ago. So, and, and I don't know how things are, you know, you know, some people even they'll be texting, you know, while at maybe a service or something, you know, uh, texting somebody who's somewhere else. So there's the connectivity of the person is obviously very, very different. Um, Do you think that that plays in? I, I mean, I've I never, think the I've never online, thought about the that. streaming is cool for people who, because of the the distance, um, and so, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I I I, uh, I think every person has a unique situation, and um, I think that too. Definitely, here's 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 what what is absolutely clear is connectivity with other believers in genuine relationship where you're life to life, like Gary Springer would call it life to life, where 
there's trust, there's sharing of the burdens, like you mentioned earlier, there's praying for one another, there's uh, accountability kinds of things. That's, that's a core. You have that family and then you have, you know, other families and friends that are connected in that kind of core. That's, that's when we talk about the ecclesia or the church, that's really what we're talking about. Right. And so the idea of the building is to have a place to go and help those relationships grow and but and, the building could be a house right i mean it can be a yeah, house yeah, can be anywhere yeah. the building doesn't matter it's the it's the but those relationships of, yeah. you can take away the building and those relationships and the the development that and good fruit that has come from that and the trust mutual trust and connectivity can't be broken here the, here here's what you just said one of the things that i i hadn't considered I wonder if one of the things that plays into to this, you know, first of all, I think it's an epidemic in the in the Messianic and Hebrew Roots movement. Much more than it is. Now, granted, within the church, the unchurched church is something that is that is also an ep- epidemic. So it's not just Hebrew Roots and Messianics. But the unchurched church is a, is a huge problem. Yeah, okay, now when you, just to be clear, when you're talking about, you're talking about the people who had all, all the bad, sad statistics that we saw last week. Right. It's like illiterate. It's like biblical illiteracy. Well, right. Is that uh, when I, no, when at? I say unchurched church, I mean people who say I don't go to a church on Sundays, or I mean for the for the Torah movement, I don't go to a place on Shabbat. I stay at home with my family, and that's good enough. In other words, I don't need a community to go to unchurched church. So, in other words, we're just I I do church at home. I I go to bedside Baptist. You know. I hit the snooze button and go bedside, back, go go back to bedside Baptist, Baptist right? <laughs> so, but the point, but the point is, is that I I wonder if it's if it's more so in the Messianic and Hebrew roots movement because people say, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna associate with this church because they say you know because they get together on on Sundays and not Shabbat. In other words, how have we lost a, a an ability to interact with our brothers and sisters? in the Lord who don't agree with us fully because we've, you know, because we're too much toward terrorists or, um, or whatnot. On the flip side, I wonder if social media has played into this, this, and I think if, if I remember correctly, I don't remember exactly where it was. Maybe it was Atlanta, an ETS SBL meeting. It was actually at the ETS. It was somebody had done uh, research on, uh, digital churches and, um, I forget what his findings were, but I wonder how much that's played into it. In other words, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's like we don't really have to interact with people. We can sit behind a keyboard and yell at people all we want. People are a lot more bold behind a keyboard, right? Oh, yeah, like the anonymous drive-by posting and stuff like that. Right, exactly. So I wonder if that, but, but do you think that people find a sense of quote unquote, I'm putting uh, quote marks around this community through social media. Because I've, I've personally have found that the more I go into social media, this is why I almost never, I try not to post on Facebook, I even go on Facebook hardly at all anymore, is because I think not only is it a fake sense of community, but I think it actually destroys community because you're not actually able to really interact with people on a one-on-one personal level. In other words, the, the interaction that I have with somebody when I'm sitting eating a meal with them in a restaurant is completely and totally yeah. opposite and different from what it would be like if I'm having a back and forth on social media. So I wonder if that's played into some of it as well. 
Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um, sorry if I offended everyone who doesn't have a place to go. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, these are these are questions that should be asked. And topics that should be um, discussed within community. <laughs> oh, that was the... Uh, sorry. Okay. Um, so we have a, a new producer credit. And uh, so uh, Zane Lyons uh, from Al- Edmonton, Alberta, Canada... Uh, became an executive producer. That's Zane with a Z, not Zane with a Z. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. And we wanted to acknowledge him. Uh, he he gave no note, and he gave uh, no sound effects that he wanted. So, um, so does that mean you get to pick your own? Yeah, sure. What do you What do you <laughs> want? Well, I have a couple. I have one. Do you no, have one just, that you like? No, what, you just which one. which one do you want? You choose. All right, fine. Uh, Zane, here you go. Here are your uh, here are some sound effects for you. <laughs> we do not get a lot of humor here, and when we do, it's wonderful. Just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. You've been blessed. Thank you, Zane. Zane, our new executive producer. If you'd like to become an executive producer, you can do so by going to torresource.com. Hovering over TR Radio in the toolbar, go down to Messiah Matters, and a pop out will come out, and click on that pop out, and uh, there you go. You can learn all about it. Okay, and a huge shout out also to all of our supporters, our monthly supporters. We appreciate you all very, very, very much. Okay, um, so we it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. One week we have Christians telling us this is no joke. This happens uh, a couple weeks ago. We had Christians telling us that we are uh, heretics and enemies of the gospel. Very Christian-like. Um, and then uh, just this last week we had. I can't believe this. We had an Orthodox Jew. I think he's Orthodox. He went to uh, Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew University, Yeshiva University. I'm sorry, Yeshiva, oh, Yeshiva oh. University in, in uh, New York. Um, I think he's an Orthodox Jew. He's a rabbi um, in New York. Well, if he was ordained, yeah. then yeah, there he was. Modern Orthodox. Yeah. Modern Orthodox. And uh, basically, uh, he said that we are tantamount to uh, murderers of children. And rapists. Why would he be even watching our show? I don't know. That's the interesting thing is that he seems very. What? Uh, what's interesting to me is that he says that we're trying to evangelize Jews by keeping Torah, which is not the goal at all of me keeping Torah. I mean, evangelism within Christianity has always been to anyone and everyone who will listen. Yeshua says this: "Go therefore and make disciples of." All the nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So th- there's no discrimination about who we should give the gospel to. There's no doubt about that. But the idea that we're we're keeping Torah because we're trying to get Jews like, haha, we'll trick them. Now, as we have said, I think we said this last week, the idea that this doesn't happen, I'll give the rabbi this. The rabbi who was commenting, uh, let's find his name, Elkanon. Rabbi Elkanon uh, commented on, on our, our YouTube, several comments actually. Um, he was commenting. Now I give to him, there is no doubt in my mind. Oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. That's him calling right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
I forgot to put my phone on Do Not Disturb. Um, I certainly understand that there are groups out there. We've talked about this. There are groups in Israel, Jews for Jesus, people in Jews for Jesus who do this. We are not associated with Jews for Jesus in any way, shape, or form. Um, they, there are people out there who keep Torah, not because they think God wants them to, not because they think that God has commanded them to, but because they are... No, right, and they're open about They're saying, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not... It's not like secret. <laughs> yeah. It's not like stealth. It's like they're actually... Like we talked about that book, uh, reading Moses, reading seeing, Moses, seeing Jesus, seeing right. Jesus or whatever. They're like, I mean, they just lay out their whole, their whole plan. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it certainly happens, right? It certainly happens. There are, uh, there are people out there who, who, uh, are keeping Torah simply as an evangelism tool. That, however, is not the, uh, the, I wouldn't say it's not the norm. I don't know. Maybe it is. But I would say that there are there within the Torah movement, there is a significant amount of people like myself, like Rob, like uh, I would say probably a majority of people in the in the chat room right now who are not keeping Torah as, as an evangelical tool. In fact, it has uh, caused a significant amount of strife between us and family members, um, right? Even to this day, every single year at Christmas, uh, I have I have the uh, I have the fight with the in-laws about what why my children can't uh, celebrate Christmas, or uh, you know uh, my son <laughs> my son who at the time was five just turned five said that he hated pork. Uh, the in the in-laws were very upset about this as well. Um, they. And they believe that we're we're teaching our son not to be tolerant. Um, my my son believes that he's. It's the what the Bible says, right? It's right there. Did they, they use the word tolerant? Yeah, intolerance. Yeah. Wow. So tolerant, in my view, I mean, it depends on what we mean. Tolerant means I'm I'm okay in my own skin. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I and I and you, I can let you be in your skin. <laughs> And I'm not going to hit you over the head with my worldview, right? That's the other thing is that, that you know, that to me is tolerance. One of the right? interesting, I, I, or maybe that's not, uh, is tolerance mean I have to just, I have no personal conviction whatsoever and I just do what, uh, what the, what the group wants to. Is that what is meant by tolerance? You know? Well, that's the other thing. The interesting, the interesting thing, thing that I've noticed, uh, apparently this, this rabbi believes uh, that we are are doing this simply out of uh, an, as an evangelical tool, which is interesting because I'm not the one trying to comment on his YouTube, right? I, I'm not. Yeah, he. He's... I'm not striking up conversation <laughs> to bring him to Christ. Has he's... he left a link to any outside? <laughs> he's he's the one who's trying to convince me, right? Oh. I mean, come on. Um, anyway, let's read some of hey, these. I love it. I think I thank God for. Um, it's great. Yeah. Keep, I mean, yeah. keep watching our, our post, videos. Post, post on it. You know, keep, it's okay. Keep, keep your comments coming. That's totally fine. But uh, to be honest with you, I think one of the, for someone who went to Yeshiva University, I, and I would I would assume this of most um, non-believing uh, Orthodox Jews, there is, you know, there is a disconnect between what we would consider, <clears throat> I think, scholarly 
evidence and rabbinic tradition. Then I give it, I mean, the, the most blatant and obvious one is uh, rabbinic Judaism. We can say, oh, yeah, the rabbis go back to, uh, you know, the Mishnah goes back to Moses, right? The, the Mishnah was given to Moses on the mountain. Well, um, I, not only is there no evidence for this, but, the, but I, I would say the evidence is actually against this theory. Um, and so acronism is something that, that happens a lot. Anyway, let's go to one of these. Anachronistic, that's what I meant. I'm sorry, acronism. Anachronistic. Anachron- yeah, okay. Um, he says this. He says, if Messianic Judaism was an authentic religious movement... Uh, now, I've written on this, actually. I, I don't know. I wrote on this, uh, in actually, for Rob's class on modern Judaisms. And uh, my, my idea was that uh, the idea of Messianic Judaism is not necessarily, uh, if we're going to use titles like this, is, and everyone knows that I, I get hung up on titles a lot, um, but Messianic Judaism is not necessarily a part of Judaism, uh, as a whole, and I argue that from d- several different uh, right. points. Well, read, read his whole, what's his whole statement? Okay, okay. so he, he says, if Messianic Judaism was an authentic religious movement, they would not constantly plagiarize customs and observances that are rabbinical and call themselves rabbis, the same rabbis that Jesus hated so much. Oh, man. <laughs> this guy was educated at Yeshiva University. I, I wonder if he actually graduated. No, I'm that, sure he did. That, that, this is, that's just... That's foolish. Why? Why would you I say expect, that? I expect a, a better historical. Well, a, actually, no. It depends on who his teachers were. I should say. Um. Yeah, that, it's horrible. I agree with one piece in the middle. That disciples of Yeshua should not call themselves rabbi. Yeah, I mean that's that. If you don't get that from Matthew twenty three. You know. Okay, but you have you to. You can't that, just say. You can't so, just say. So he's no. got. He's got an element of of uh he's got a grip there on a core point but but everything he dresses it with i think is totally wrong-headed why you can't just say that a he he wants to use this word authentic <laughs> okay right because it, it, in this word authentic what he wants to say is that he's going to be the one to tell us what is authentic right you know what and when it comes to this idea of messianic judaism you know what? I'm not married to that label either. Right. That's not my label. That's not the that's way not we talk about this last week. So, right. and if it's an authentic movement, what's important to us is the movement of the new covenant, right? The Ruach HaKodesh working in our hearts, writing the Torah on the hearts and drawing us into worship of God in spirit and truth. Right. Re- regardless of race, nationality, gender, uh, what do you call it? Socioeconomic status, right? Basically, building the Yeshua, building the Ecclesia, which is the the house for that's gonna that holds the blessing of the covenant of Abraham. Right. That's that's what we're talking about here. And and what this guy sounds like is he's he's uh, appointed himself symbol police. Right. He's going to go around saying, "Well, why do you you stole that symbol?" Oh, we're going to get you, we're you don't get... belong. We own that. Yeah, you don't get... own that. The we. So he's he's got this idea of this we and the we doesn't exist. He's got 
I mean, it depends. There's a bunch of different ways to draw the line of the we that he wants to uphold. Uh, And so, and and you can find this all the way back. You know, there's examples of of this sort of thing. Um, One funny one, you know, we're coming up to Hanukkah. Well, who preserved the Hanukkah stories? They're in Greek. It was the Christians that produced, that preserved the Hanukkah stories in Greek that you hear every year in the Jewish world. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. This is this is good, though. Okay. Let's but, keep... the, but here's the, and you see this, but it's even outside the, because obviously this guy's coming from a religious commitment, a commitment to, he probably sees, you know, Yeshiva University, probably the Halakha is the Word of God. So capital H, Halakha, capital W, Word of God that Moses received a second revelation, right? a second Torah on Mount Sinai, and it is equal as word of God in binding and authority for all Jews. Okay, so if, so we can just appreciate that's his, word, that's his commitment. Okay, we don't share that commitment with him. Well, there was a split, right? We've talked about this a lot. That split happened when, and I think the Christians did it first. In other words, the Christians take on their their extra writings, their, you know, let's say oral Torah, which is the apostolic, the New Testament, the apostolic scriptures. And Judaism doesn't write down there. Well, Yeshua, our, 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 you know, the central figure in all history, Yeshua, the most famous Jew in all history. There's never going to be a Jew that even comes remotely as known as Yeshua. Uh, the first two uh, people called rabbi in all of Jewish literature history are John the Baptist and Jesus of Nazareth. Right. And that's, that's just a given. Um, but even, uh, even aside from this religious back and forth that we might be having with this particular uh, product of Yeshiva University is that like when we go to SBL where it's a faith is, is kind of shelved for the academic rigorous investigation of things like archaeology, history, manuscripts, right. translations, language, all this stuff. That even in that realm where faith is marginalized, you still have the claim of that at the, the early Christian, and this would be an example, the early Christians appropriated Jewish texts and made a new religion. So the, the claim that this guy is is just regurgitating is found in a lot of different domains. And that's uh, that's another one, the academic domain. You'll find scholars that still, still to this day, they make it look like a bunch of Gentiles came, saw some, some stuff that Jews were doing, took bits and pieces of it and went and made a new religion. And they actually get, some, there's people who accept that. Pre, they, they accept that as the as the uh easiest explanation as or as some even as an obvious explanation of the history of, of the last 2000 years and it's it it's wrong it's 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 like a kid drawing in a crayon maybe by a toddler scribbling with a crayon but it's not accurate and and he what he what this guy's doing is doing the same thing he's just reiterating the same claim so he's just on, let, changing let, let, what it is so you guys just steal from us this is the idea you steal from us and make something that's inauthentic. You you go somewhere where they have authentic, the authentic thing. You pick and choose and steal and make something new, and that and you make you try to pull it off 
or so, sell it as authentic. So actually, this is his next comment. Okay, he says, "Where do you get the term Torah from?" Well, actually, from the Torah. Torah. Yeah, it's called Torah, not from the rabbis. How do you know what tzitzit would look like? Well, the Torah. <laughs> the Torah tells us. Of course, you rely on the rabbis who reject Jesus. Don't you see a problem with that? So, in the chat room already, we have um, we have a lot being posted. What about the fact that the Torah uses um, you know the pagan names for the months? It, my, the one I love, you know, what about uh, Rob? Yesterday, you brought up the idea of of the word synagogue. Well, synagogue is a uh, is a Greek term. It's not a Hebrew term. It's not an Aramaic term. It's a Greek term. What about? Oh the, yeah, oh yeah. Say, there's say, thousands. Say, of same Greek. with same with Afikomen, right? And the ritual of the Afikomenas, which I think from all historical data that we can that we can look at came from the Christians and was taken by the rabbis and incorporated into the Passover Seder. Karpas. Not the other way around. Karpas is also, if, if we're talking about the Passover Seder, the, the Karpas, that's also a Greek word. Right. For for a, a certain kind of plant. The, 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 enti- the, uh, enti- the entire Seder being, being, uh, being uh, basically uh, based on the, the Greek symposium. Oh yeah, with the multiple yeah. There's, I mean, come there's on. A, there's just a, so so the idea there's that, a, there's an entire tractate of the Mishnah that supposedly goes to Moses that's called Sanhedrin. <laughs> it's Greek. <laughs> uh, the point I, and the so, the so point this is, is uh, yeah, the point not is, only that that oh the, it, I mean we could go on and on on this sort of thing, um, <laughs> and but regarding the head covering the <laughs> the kippah or the yarmulke. Uh, you have that in certain Christian traditions. You have it in Jewish traditions, and you have it in Muslim traditions. Right. It seems to be a very ancient Abrahamic uh, tradition of some sort, custom. Uh, and even if you go, even if you just narrow to to observant Jewish communities and look at the way they do head coverings, it's not it's not a it's not uniform by any stretch. None of the clothing traditions are are uniform right. and if you even if you narrow down like we've talked before to uh hasidism you're going to see different <laughs> different uh types of uh ways that this community and the way they follow their rebbe or uh, you know is going to be differentiated in clear ways we're not you but the we're not you, it's not we Jews are not like you Gentiles. It's we Jews are not like you other Jews. Right. Right. It's we're special kind of Jew. That's what that's what's going on here. And and he might, you know, the whole the whole uh, enterprise of uh, the way I understand modern Orthodox Judaism in America is to try to find a place in traditional halakhic thinking and rigor so legal how how do how to apply the the bulk of traditional uh obligation that expands way beyond the, the torah as we know to to today's life in the modern world where we're not saying no to medical you know medical care except those rabbis those are guys or those communities aren't you know the more conservative as not to raise your sons to be doctors and lawyers, but to raise your sons to be Talmud scholars first and foremost, right? I mean, the more the more extreme you get in um, 
living like a super, super pious Jewish halakhic coded life, the farther you are from a whole bunch of other aspects of modern society. And so, so right there, this guy's already negotiating his religious identity. Just the very fact that he's watching our videos on YouTube and interacting, he's doing things that there are other Jews that are more observant than him that would never, wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. So I don't know what, I don't know what he's imagining himself to be doing. Maybe he, he imagines himself to be on the front end of like fighting the good fight of, of bringing the truth of the Torah. Um, the, the, but, he, uh, but what's interesting here is that he's fighting the same fight that the Messianic Jews are fighting. In other words, within Messianic Judaism, and this is one reason that I have a problem with Messianic Judaism, um, is because they basically what, what Messianic Judaism will say is Jews keep Torah. That's why we're Messianic Jews. We're keeping Torah even though we believe in Jesus, so we're over here. Gentiles, you're not supposed to keep Torah. The Torah was only given to the Jews, and therefore you go back to the Christian church. And this is essentially what this this rabbi is saying as well. These are Jewish customs. They're for Jews only. You you aren't doing that. You reject the rabbis. You re, you accept the you know the Messiah Yeshua. It's these aren't for you. Well, no, I I reject that as well. It was a mixed multitude that came up out of Egypt. And the Torah was given to you. Now, granted, even Paul says, "What what uh, benefit then is it to be a Jew?" Much in, in many ways, for they for for we were given the oracles, right? The and so what was the what was the goal of God giving the Torah and the Tanakh to the Jewish people to take it to the nations to be yeah. a light to the nations? So the fact that it's working. What the interesting thing is, is that there's is that uh, the Jews, both on the believing side and on the non-believing side, seem to have the same issue. This is this is cultural for us. God only loves us. You're not allowed to, to have the commandments. Which is really, really an interesting stance to take, whether you're a believer. Here, here's or not. another point too: is that on one extreme you have that. Let's just take the cultural side. Oh, you know, like, and there's different messianic quote, most Messianic Jewish institutions that say the Torah is cultural. It's, it's not obligatory. It's a cultural expression. We're not necessarily using it to evangelize, but it's a cultural expression, right. but it's not, it's changed from mitzvah, right? It's mitzvot. It's no longer commandments from a person who's commanding, but rather cultural expressions and differentiating this culture from another. Well, in the history of cultures, what happens? We, uh, the utilitarian side of our, of our humanity comes out. And this is why we don't, we don't do math with Roman numerals, right? We use Arabic numerals, even, even in Israel, even in, in Israeli society, right? If you do math, you're using the, the Roman new, or you're using the Arabic numerals, not the Roman numerals. And, uh, you know, I mean, when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, dividing a circle in the 360 degrees, that's even older, right? There's all, all manner of things. The seven-day week, is he mad at the world for, you know, having a seven-day week? Because it, that came through Israel? You know, I mean, is, he, is, is the rest of the world need to change to like a 
eight day week or six day weeks so that this guy feels like he's not being robbed. Um, I don't know. So, but that's on the cultural side. On the religious side, we have the weightier matters of the Torah and the, and the lighter matters. <laughs> I'm about the weightiest matters first and foremost, back to the Shema, right? My teacher, Yeshua teaches that the Shema is the greatest commandment. And the one like it is love your neighbors yourself and all other commandments hang on that are dependent on that being in place and have to have right. its rightful uh, honor, priority, privilege, etc. in our life. And if, and if that's my presupposition, if my presupposition is that the Shema is the greatest commandment, which is to love uh, God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, love my neighbors myself, then that's my operating space, right? That I'm not worried. I, I'm not going to go out and do what Yeshua says, you know, and try to get the speck out of other people's eye, you know, if I've got a big plank hanging out of mine. It's like he's he's trying to leverage um, his religious identity and how he observes his religion on the on the on the uh, the light things of the Torah, like tzitzit, right? Or using the word Torah. You know what I mean? Like, what are you about, man? Like, <laughs> that's not, that that is of zero concern, you know, that the greatest commandment is the Shema. And maybe he hasn't been taught that. Maybe he, he has learned something different, you know, that, you know, and maybe he's a little bit jealous, you know, as disciples of Yeshua, we have an obligation to, to seek to discern the difference between the word of God and the traditions of man. So that means we already have a little bit of suspicion and we get this from Yeshua himself. And we get it all the way back. I mean, Yeshua cites Isaiah, you know, right. in this, we are, we are obligated to when we learn to walk in the fullness of the Shema and the love your neighbor, part of that yoke has the obligation to be, to take traditions with a grain of salt. Does that mean we reject all traditions? No, but it means that they, they're not, that we don't just accept a tradition as obligatory just because it tell because it's packaged that way. But this guy, I mean, if you, the more, uh, the more extreme you get into the Jewish observance world, the tighter the tradition becomes, right? The more stringent, and you don't have an option of questioning uh, whether a tradition is from Sinai or not. As well, a matter of fact, you start the game, the day, if we're using game theory, you start, this guy starts the game with a presupposition that Moses received two Torahs at Mount Sinai, and they're both oblig, uh, obligatory. Well, right off the bat, he's got a problem because he's got to define what this second revelation is. Well, if you enter that world, the source of that in information is from the rabbis because the, the, the rabbis preserve from generation to generation the, uh, the revelation of that second Torah. And so basically he's saying, because you guys are not disciples of the rabbis, of the Mishnah and the Talmud, and even though there was broken chain, it's not like his rabbi, you know, can trace his genealogy all the way to Moshe. That's not at all. Not even, he can't even trace his, uh, uh, trace his genealogy to the rabbis of the Talmud, right? 
Even the, even uh, Joseph Carroll, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, didn't have legitimate uh, uh, smichut. There's a whole thing in in the 16th century in in Svat and Jerusalem, and of of they wanted to restore um, rabbinic ordination because it was lost. So, so that's a real that's a that's a, a predicament, a religious predicament for a, a, a person who wants to claim that their their Judaism is the only authentic way of of worshiping the Creator, and so and that the, and then to adopt some sort of policy of of policing the symbols to make sure that nobody else, you know, uses this symbol or this well, thing. The, what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing you say is this: is that basically there are you, you have people now who say Judaism has never borrowed. Oh yeah, it I goes mean, that's, that's, basically that's what that he's stuff. trying to say yeah. is Judaism has never borrowed. We are the original. Everything that we do came originally from us. Even though even the Aleph Bet, we even know that it's the Aramaic Aleph Bet. Right. It was a, the Aleph Bet that the, right, the Codex, the book, the the printed yeah, book. Cr- yeah, Christ, Christians or, or manuscripts bound on a on a spine. That was Christian, right? What you know, so. All these things are that now that's back to the cultural side of utility, right? Right. It was not. Um, it was a. It was a great Christian thought. Hey, this is great. This is a really cool. Other people had used the codex, but it just it hadn't. It's it's and this is it didn't catch on. Scholars are uniform. Historians are not arguing this point at all. It's it is like they know it was. It was just the nature and repeat. Uh, the question is not whether Christians did this or not brought the codex to the to the world but how fast did it happen and what were what were the specific details involved in that transformation there's actually a great there is a great article on this um or chapter whatever you want to say in jews and christians the parting of the ways ad 70 to 135 um the very first article in this is by a gentleman a, a scholar who talks about the, uh, well, it's all about the Septuagint, honestly. But it was it was about how the Christians were the first ones to basically bring all these manuscripts into one place and put them into a codex. And this is where the codex comes from. Right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Um, so I want to read one last comment from that. We have three more. Reincarnation but I'm among I'm, the Kabbalists. Oh, yeah. That's where that come from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a lot from the Kabbalists. Where did that come from? Um he has one more comment, and so this is where you know this is where he kind of goes uh, a little off the rails here. He says, "Would Jesus promote the kind of reckless deception and falsehood you engage in?" I'm not sure what he means because reckless deception and falsehood—what that Yeshua tells us in Matthew five seventeen and following to keep the Torah—that Paul tells us in Romans countless times. It's not the you know he says it's not the doers of or of it's not the hearers of the law of the Torah who will be justified, but the doers if, of the Torah. If this who will be justified. so-called rabbi, if this so-called rabbi that's posting this that we're interacting with here, if he were to do this right, what he should do is judge us on the merits of the scriptures that we uphold. Right. That and that's the point you're making. Right. So, judge us on the merits of of whether whether or not what we're teaching is in fact founded in and defensible by, by the scriptures the scriptures right. and and by the scriptures we talk we're, we're upholding the hebrew tanakh and the greek apostolic writings right 
So he goes on, what higher purpose justifies this clearly indefensible uh, subversion of truth? Where is your moral compass? I guess it is the same place as those who thought that raping and killing children was permitted for the sake of crusade. I am honestly shocked I didn't know this evil existed in America. So um, we're evil now. Wow. Well, and and it's in the we're on the same level as those who uh, kill ch- children and uh, rape uh, for the sake of the Crusades. Mm. Wow. It, but it shows a total disconnected a disconnection from the idea and from the movement that has he cannot understand in his mind he cannot comprehend the idea that Gentiles would be keeping the Torah because they believe that that's what God wants them to do and they and they are doing it from a place of faith and love for for Christ and for uh, for the Father right for the greatest commandment because it's commanded to do these things right there's no there's no ability for him to comprehend this here's here's the mind. thing Caleb if we here's the alternative then instead of now of course this is all hypothetical because it's not in fact true but the, our only other option would be okay so if we're not going to follow Yeshua that means we're not going to take his words as our core value in life right and, and we're, we're going to not uh, uh, seek first uh, his the kingdom king, his right. righteousness right but rather we're just going to try to look to this guy to set us straight well we're going to end up being the same way he is. We're going to go around and we're going to end up pointing the finger at all these other people and being insecure in what we affirm just, uh, just so we can uh, make sure that nobody calls us evil. Just like the guys, Oh, you guys are enemies of the gospel. You guys are uh, heretics. Well, that's the, or now, now we're evil. That's the funny thing is that we have, we have enemy of the gospel from the Christians. The Christians are, are calling us enemies of the gospel because we believe that the, that the scriptures tell us to keep Torah, right? Followers of Yeshua should be keeping Torah. This is what we say. So we're enemies of the gospels. I would say this Christians. followers of the followers of Yeshua keep Torah. Right. And they, or through sanctification, they, that uh, is designed to increase as they grow. As they, 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 they're like a tree that grows and brings more and more fruit, or they're like a branch on a vine that brings, that is pruned to bring more and more joy, more and more fruit. That's, I mean, Yeshua teaches us that. But isn't it ironic that you got the Christians yelling at us from one side that we're heretics and, and uh, enemies of the gospel. And on the other side, you got uh, the non-believing Jews saying, you guys are stealing our tradition so much that you're tantamount to raping and killing children wow. uh, for the, the crusades. One, the earlier we engaged, right? I mean, we played a clip of, of the Apologia guy. The, this guy, I think he just, you know, he engaged us. So that there's, that's one thing that does differentiate them, uh, the two, but, but you're right. And this is, this is the whoa, language. Whoa, whoa, this guy's wait, using wait, his... wait, 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 I got to reject that. Uh, the apologia guy, Jeff Durbin, he called us heretics. No, but didn't we, didn't we play his clip first? Yeah, but it's because he called us heretics. You can't say that people oh, who keep he, a co- he, that happened first. Yeah, people who call it. Well, he he said he said that people who keep a kosher diet are heretics. Essentially, capital they're in capital H heretic land. Well, that's me. 
I keep a kosher diet oh, and I tell other people they should. You can't go around dropping you can't go around dropping heretic bombs on people and not expect them to, to respond. Come on. If you call me a heretic, unless you're you know, especially if you're a believer, a brother in the Lord, you're gonna call me a heretic. Okay, we gotta talk about this. It's not something that's it's not something that's gonna go by the wayside. You know, there's other people who've called us heretics before. Okay, fine. And and the, the, those, yeah, there's a lot that goes on within the movement. Okay, it's been an interesting, uh, an interesting segment. It, it, here's the thing: is that uh, we have a lot more to talk about. In fact, I've started keeping a notebook of topics for our show. One of the two of the things that we wanted to talk about this week, which we're not going to make it to, is Galatians four four continued. Right? We had talked about that uh, two weeks ago. Um, and so Asher has been uh, has challenged uh, some understanding on Galatians four four and uh, very good challenging in fact and uh, so we wanted to talk about that we also wanted to talk about Leviticus nineteen nineteen and uh, are we allowed to wear clothes that have mixed fibers um, that's another thing we wanted to talk about these things will probably have to be discussed um, on Messiah matters more. Because we are going to post something for Messiah Matters More this week. We'll probably do it either later today or tomorrow morning. So for our supporters, keep an eye on the Messiah Matters More page. For now, we have just a couple minutes left. And what I want to do is I want to ask Rob if he can give us a short, short rundown of the papers that he will be presenting at the Society of Biblical Literature next week. Okay, I I th- uh, I've got two papers for SBL and then the one presentation for Torah Resource that I'm doing, but that's going to be the same presentation twice. So, oh, And we should say, if you want to come and meet us in Denver or in Colorado Springs, uh, you can look for the information on the Torah Resource website. Right. It's on. It's in the banners on the homepage. And uh, we have two different days, a, fr- a Friday, an Arab Shabbat, and then we also have a Sunday night. Sunday night, yeah. And those two are, the theme follows with that of ETS, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Um, my if so for that I'm gonna I'm zeroing in on uh, so Psalm 51 is going to be a core piece uh, to that uh, presentation. But the two SBL papers, one is for the Masora section, and one is for the Midrash section. And so there's two different uh, kind of two different worlds will be probably be two different audiences. Um, and the Midrash uh, section is uh, following a, a, a curious uh, passage from Job that is never mentioned in any of the ancient rabbinic literature at all, anywhere in the Second Temple period either. Um, but then shows what chapter? up. What chapter in show- Job? Sorry? What, what chapter in Job is it? Oh, from? it's Job 8. Okay. Job 8, verse 8. It's just a, a verse that says, Kisha alna ledorishon, look now to, or ask now the, the ancient generation. It's when Bildad, the uh, the Shuchite, is talking to Job, trying to set Job straight. Anyway, this is one of those, I, I think of it as an unemployed Bible text by the rabbis. But then but then it gets some traction in the Masora and in the uh, later rabbinic commentary. So, and there's some interesting historical things going on that I'm going to explore. That's for the midrash. For the Masora paper, I'm doing uh, something on uh, what's called the Aleph Beta Rabbah, which is uh, what we know as Psalm 119 in the Masoretic tradition. So, um, those are the topics for those. I so, think we're going to record those. 
so someone in the chat room asked, where is Messiah Matters More found? Uh, you can find Messiah Matters More. Uh, you have to be a uh, a supporter, a monthly supporter of tour of uh, Messiah Matters. You can become a mo- monthly supporter for as little as five dollars a month. You can do that by going to torresource.com and then under donate, click donate or go down to ways to donate. And on that page, once you get to that page, there's a thing that says uh, so Messiah Matters uh, supporter. Click that for as little as a latte each month. You can have uh, access to Messiah Matters more. It's our way of saying thank you to everyone who supports this show. And uh, we are truly grateful for all of our supporters. Hey, we're taking a week off, as you already know. We're going to be in Denver, as you already know. And we are going to live stream, so keep your eyes open for that. But we will not have a show next week. And uh, then we will come back in two weeks for show 242. And we will talk about our time at the uh, ETS and SBL. I also have some other topics that uh, we will be looking at. When we come back, and who knows, maybe just our recap of, of uh, some of the things that we've learned will take up an entire show. Yeah. It's going to be uh, a, a and good time. Caleb, we're wrapping up our fifth year. That's true. That's we're right. going to be entering our sixth year. Uh, you know, this is really scary, and the reason why is because that means I need to make new intro music, and that takes <gasps> usually a couple of days. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. When do we officially, when's our first show of season six? Well, technically speak, speaking, we started in 2014. Was it 2014? Oh, no, it was, uh, it was December 5th, 2013 is when we started. December 5th. 2013. Wow. So all of 14, all of 15, all of 16, all of 17. Soon all of 18 coming into our sixth year. Wow. That's right. So um, we're excited for it. All right. Well, uh, we got to go pack our bags and get to Denver. And uh, we'll see you on live streams. We hope A this, team. I like it. Yeah. We hope that this uh, shows helped you in some way. You know, honestly, we appreciate the, the person, everyone who comments, whether it's good or bad. Hate us, love us, doesn't matter. We love the comments. And uh, the only thing that we're trying to do with this show is only trying to do one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. 